We have a special guest speaker today that I'm excited and happy to introduce to you. Josh Buck is a husband and, and a father. He'll tell you more about that and proudly show you pictures, I'm sure. I first met Josh and his wife, Diane, when we interviewed them at a church assessment, uh, church planters assessment in 2011. That was a long time ago. <laughs> and after the assessment, Josh and Diane and a core group of people um, planted Antioch City Church in Highland Park. And Nova became partners with Josh and Diane. And we were privileged to support them prayerfully and financially. Josh co-founded uh, AMP, which amplifies opportunities for students in L.A., through digital arts. And since then, Josh co-founded and serves as executive director for PAX, P-A-X, to help the generation, the next generation, pursue peace and justice and wholeness in the world through the creation of slow and beautiful Jesus-centered content led by Christians of color. Along the way, in his spare time, Josh earned a PhD in Intercultural Studies from Biola University. And he is the author of a new book that just dropped called Everyday Activism, The Seven Practices of Jesus to Create a Just World. And uh, this is a first for us as a church family, but Nova Community Church is honored to be mentioned in the acknowledgments of the book on page 17 where Josh writes, I want to acknowledge the churches that have impacted my understanding of Jesus, ecclesiology, theology, and activism, and he names Nova Community Church in Torrance, California. I'm excited for you to hear Josh because he's a good friend. Uh, he's a good friend of Nova, and he is an encouragement and inspiration to all of us. Would you welcome Josh Buck? Me too. Thanks, Pastor Dean. I'm uh, really glad to be here. How are you doing this morning, Nova? Doing okay? I know we come here with um, a lot going on in our lives and our hearts, and I'm just really honored to be here with you this morning. I'm going to walk a few, through a few slides to talk about my life. Dean did a, a good uh, catch-all kind of, of of what I've been up to. But you need to know that so much of me being here is a thank you to the church. Uh, you all support a lot of people and a lot of ministries. And Pastor Dean has been a mentor of mine for a lot of years, even like doing counseling for my wife and I in times of crisis when we're trying to figure out what to do. And he's been such a huge blessing. And you have all been a massive blessing in planting churches and there's a church that exists up in Highland Park. It's meeting in an hour. It starts late at 11. And you're a big part of why that church exists. A big, big part. And some of that's financial. And a lot of that is through prayer and support and coaching. And me being able to come down here and meet with Dean throughout the journey. That's uh, been about 10 years, 11 years now. Pretty crazy. So a little bit about me, I'm going to show a picture of my family here. This is my wife and three kids. It's already an outdated photo. Diane, Ahana, Anaya, and Azariah. 
And this is my son who refuses to smile in any of the photos. I've got, <laughs> I was upset the entire photo shoot. Z, focus. And he, he's like seven. He's like, I'm seven. I'm not listening to you right now. <laughs> you know, I don't care who you are. I'm not listening. Uh, a little bit about just some pictures of the church that we started. This is the Antioch City Church, upper left-hand corner. That's our core group a little bit. Uh, probably after I met Dean, some of the women in the church. Bottom left is the peace march that happens periodically in the community. We're there to pray and to march. The bottom right is some of the baptisms at the beach. Have you guys done baptisms at the beach before? We tried it. It's a very violent. You take people and you push them into the waves. <laughs> we never did it again. <laughs> we, did it. we did it once. And it was epic and the pictures are really beautiful, but I was terrified with everybody out there. Um, but wonderful memories of the church. And uh, AMP is a public nonprofit that we started. You're going to recognize a few people in one of these photos. And this was in one of the vision meetings. You see Pastor Dean and a few others from this church, some leaders. Uh, as we built out a space for kids after school. I'll talk a little bit more about that. And this is some of the pictures from, uh, from our mentor program that you help start. You help get off the ground. Uh, What's next? Uh, started PAX. This is uh, the team that I currently work with. It's uh, really hard to reach young people for Jesus in general. It's a tough nut to crack, and so we've taken it on ourselves as really a group of millennials primarily and some investors to try and reach the next generation for Jesus and to do that. A little bit about our resources. And then, you know, to, to give a picture of some of my heart's desires, um, I, I worked on a degree at Biola primarily to understand the impact that racial violence had on people who lost loved ones in the Charleston massacre. And so these are two individuals that I interviewed to understand the impact of racial violence on their families. And these are two people, two pastors, Reverend Risher and Reverend Thompson, who lost loved ones in the massacre. And I asked them a series of questions, how did this impact your faith, really so that we can learn from the witness of our brothers and sisters in Christ who have suffered much more than some of us. So that's a little bit about me. I'm really excited to be here this morning. If you have your Bible, you could turn to a few passages. You can pick one. What I'm going to be doing this morning is talking about the gospel of Jubilee. I, I wrote a book, and in the first few chapters, I, I frame it within this Hebrew concept of Jubilee. So if you're here and you haven't committed to Jesus, or maybe you're watching online, hopefully you'll get a, a, a picture of one theme that runs through the Bible called Jubilee, and then how Jesus picks this theme to talk about his gospel. If you're a follower of Jesus, I hope that you learn something new about this concept of Jubilee and how important it is for us as Christians. And the main thing I want to communicate this morning over the sermon is that the good news of Jesus is for all of life. It's for our spirits, our bodies, our communities. The gospel is holistic. That is to say, the good news of Jesus 
touches on the most pressing things in your life. It's not just for Sunday morning. It's not just for singing these incredible songs with this wonderful band. It's not just for sermons. It gets into the dirt of our lives and changes us and spreads into our communities. And, you know, a lot of us, I, I, I grew up in the church, wonderful churches, and I developed like two ways to look at the gospel. The gospel is either about my spiritual life or the gospel is about like getting to work in the streets and doing the work. And there's a reason historically why we kind of cut the gospel into two parts. Let's look at a little bit of history. There are some great awakenings in the United States. And in these awakenings, it was revival. And the first great awakening, it, it, it was all about conversion. And it was all about individuals being saved before God. God is holy. You are not. A, a lot, the themes in the songs we're singing. And you should place your faith in Jesus and transform your life spiritually. And this was the first great awakening. A lot of Puritans and Jonathan Edwards. And, and it was this movement. And this church is an EFCA church, a part of the Evangelical Free Church of America, the same denomination that we planted with in Los Angeles. And it's very much in that stream and that understanding of the gospel. It's valid. It's important. We are sinners who need a Savior. We need to be rescued. We want to go to heaven. These are important things. And then the pendulum swung in this second great awakening. Check this out. And in that great awakening, it moved away from spiritual individual to social and collective. And yes, it was about the declaration of the gospel. But that emphasis was about the embodiment of the gospel. And it was about justice and it was about serving the poor and it was about getting into the streets and doing the work and it was about addressing the lives of the people and so one was about spiritual life and the other one was about social flourishing that we're taken care of in our families we're taken care of in our workplaces impacting politics and it created a divide and over here is like the Wesleyan tradition and Methodist and over here is like more of the EV free where we are at. And what, what I'm telling you this morning and my claim this morning from the Bible is that the gospel is about both. It's about spiritual life and social flourishing. It's about these two things together and we get this from this concept of Jubilee. So what I'm going to be doing is going from Leviticus 25, talking about God instituting this year of the Lord's favor, to Isaiah 61, and then all the way to Luke chapter 4. So there's going to be a lot of scripture this morning, but hopefully we can wrap our heads around this concept and how it can impact our lives. So to start off in Leviticus 25, I just want to highlight a little bit here on screen what this was about. Third book in the Bible, Genesis, it's about beginnings. 
Exodus, it's the rescue of God's people out of slavery. Leviticus, hard book to read. Raise your hand if you've read Leviticus. That's a lot of people. Congratulations, you guys deserve a church gold star. It's a hard one to get through, whether you're a Bible college student, wherever you are, it's difficult. And God, for the first time, is revealing his law and and teaching them and telling them what to do politically and economically and all these things. And this is what he commands. Every 50 years, God's people were commanded to release slaves. Everybody returned to the land that they originally owned generations prior if they lost it or sold it. Wealthy people had to avoid predatory lending. The land and the animals were able to rest from being overworked by certain Jewish people. And real estate prices were reset. This, this is pretty intense, right? I'm not going to say let's go do all these things or whatever it is. Okay, just follow me here. This is in the Old Testament. And and God in his wisdom is like every 50 years, things are going to be thrown off economically. People are going to be inheriting problems from their family members and their tribe and their parents. People are going to be enslaved. And I don't like slavery. I don't want that for my people. So when that happens and we adopt these pagan customs around us, I, I want people to be set free. And it was a complete reset economically, politically, socially, every 50 years. And it was called the year of the Lord's favor. So when you think Jubilee, think year of the Lord's favor. That's important. And God instituted this Jubilee. Here is the interesting part as we read the Bible. We never see God's people follow this command. The Bible's quiet about it, suspiciously quiet about it. And then all the other books that are extra biblical that we learn about Jewish people, we never learn about God's chosen people actually instituting Jubilee. Why, we don't know. But that's important for us. It's radical, it's hard, it's difficult. And every 50 years it didn't happen. So now we're going to move forward to Isaiah 61. This is what we're going to read. You can open up your Bible. I'll have it on the screen as well. Isaiah 61, verses 1 and 2. A remarkable thing happens from Leviticus all the way to Isaiah. Isaiah, a major prophet. That means he wrote a long book. (laughs) It's in the middle of the Bible. It's quite large. And in Isaiah 61, 1 and 2, this concept of jubilee is picked up on again in the context of the messiah this is important isaiah 61 verse 1 and 2 the spirit of the lord is upon me because the lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted to proclaim liberty to the captives And the opening of the prisons to those who are bound to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. 
So here Isaiah is talking about this person, this Messiah, the Spirit of God would be on him, anointed to bring good news, gospel to the poor, bind up the brokenhearted, liberty to captives, and people who are in prison would be set free. This is the language of Jubilee, Nova. This is Jubilee. This is specifically and tangibly what was supposed to be happening in Leviticus 25, what God's people are supposed to be doing. And at this point in history, Israel's falling apart, two kingdoms, attacks, exile is coming. It's a very dark moment in their history, in their disobedience before God. And these prophets are crying out, and there's these little hints and whispers of hope and joy and peace that are coming. It's light in the midst of darkness talking about this Messiah. And it's like a puzzle. They, they have this puzzle, but they only have certain pieces. And this is one of the major pieces talking about Jesus. And there's other chapters in Isaiah, 53, the suffering servant, chapter 9, where through Isaiah, this light is breaking through. And it's important for us to understand that this Messiah is going to somehow bring this jubilee that Israel never applied in their history. So now we go forward to Luke chapter 4. You can turn there if you want. I know we're going really fast. We just went from the beginning all the way to Luke. Luke chapter 4. This is the beginning of Jesus' ministry. The majority of your New Testament was written by Luke, a Gentile. He was a doctor, he was a world traveler, he followed Paul around, and he, he wrote a two-part series, Luke and Acts. And it's the gospel according to Luke. He's known as the first Christian historian, and then Acts is his part two, Acts of the Apostles, and it's a history of the early church. And most of what we have in the New Testament are these two books. And I've got a, a, a question for us. And it's, it's rhetorical, and um, we can discuss it more if anybody wants to join us with the youth afterwards. What is the gospel? So in, in your head right now, I want you to think about what the gospel is. I don't care how young you are in here, I want you to think, what's the good news of Jesus? If you had to distill the gospel, what is it? What phrase comes to mind? What word, what sentence comes to mind when you think of the gospel? This is important, right? The cool thing is there's lots of different words that can come to your mind. It's like adoption into God's family, justification by faith, that we are co-heirs with Christ. Those are just a few that could pop into our head. For Paul, he seems to like say, Jesus is Lord. He narrows it down. Here's something that's important for us to consider. What did Jesus consider to be the gospel? It's called the gospel of Jesus Christ. So what does Jesus Christ consider to be the good news? 
It's an important question. It's his message. It's his gospel. It's God revealing himself through the second person of the Trinity, Jesus Christ, enfleshed on earth. What did he say about the gospel? What did he connect to in the story of God? And guess what it was? Jubilee. This Hebrew concept of Jubilee, the day of the Lord's favor. And we get this from Luke chapter 4, starting in verse 16. So this is the beginning of the gospel. This is the beginning of his ministry. And we read, Jesus came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. This is Jesus' prophet in his own hometown. Everybody knew little Jesus growing up. Brother to James, parents, Mary and Joseph. They know his story. And as it was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, this was church, and he stood up to read. It was customary for a rabbi to stand up to read and give an interpretation. Jesus was a rabbi. Verse 17, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll, and what did he do? He found the place where it was written. And guess what verses he decided to read from in Isaiah? Isaiah 61, verses 1 and 2a, the first part of it. He didn't read all of it. Which, do your study later, get into it, and figure out, why didn't he read all of it? It's very interesting. And let's hear what Jesus had to say. We're going to read these verses again. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news, gospel, to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind. To set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, to proclaim jubilee. So this is Jesus reading this, and everybody's like, okay, this is a text about the Messiah, and the rabbi is supposed to read the text, and then he's supposed to interpret the text, kind of like what pastors are supposed to do now with the Bible. Read it, interpret it. Don't say you're God. Don't say it's about you. Don't get crazy. And what does Jesus do in verse 20? He rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus says, this is about me. I am the Messiah. I am the chosen one. This is my gospel. And Jesus connects himself to Isaiah 61 all the way back to Leviticus 25. And Jesus says, I am the fulfillment of Jubilee. And this is my good news. And then guess what Jesus does throughout the rest of what Luke wrote. He proclaims this jubilee and he embodies this jubilee. He brings spiritual life and he brings social flourishing. He heals people. He sets people free. He puts their feet on dry ground. He gives them grace. He says, go now and sin no more. And, and he, he, 
feeds the crowd and he mobilizes his followers to be a community of jubilee. And in this we learn that the good news of Jesus, it's two things. It's the declared gospel and the embodied gospel. Nova, are you with me? This is the gospel that Jesus declared. Now here's what's important for you to know about this. In the Old Testament, Jubilee was a top-down, I'm going to reorder Israel, like economically, politically, set everybody free. And then Jesus comes and he says, now I'm giving an additional spiritual meaning to Jubilee. You're going to have freedom from your sins. And we're going to be doing this from the bottom up. We're going to gather as Christians. We're going to share our possessions. You know, I'm preaching to the choir. That's a, if you haven't heard that before, maybe you're like, I don't know what that means. A long time ago, there were choirs in churches. Anybody go to a church before where there's a choir? A few of you, right? Now we have a band. There's a choir. And when the pastor said, I'm preaching to the choir, what that means is the choir is supposed to be like holier and better than everybody else. And when I preach to them... When I preach to them, they get it. They know it. They're ahead of it. They're the leaders. I'm preaching to the choir. Well, here's what's beautiful about me talking about Jubilee. I'm preaching to you guys, and you're already doing this as a church. You, you know this, right? As you're being generous with your possessions, as you're taking care of each other's burdens, as you're praying for one another, as you're supporting ministries in Mexico, as you're helping plant churches, you are enacting Jubilee already. You're doing it. I'm preaching to the choir. You're doing it. Keep doing the work of declaring the gospel and embodying the gospel. Not separating, well, the gospel is just about saving souls or the gospel is about in the streets and activism and getting things done. It's both. And it doesn't look like the political mess that we live in. It looks like the local church, you doing the work on a weekly basis among your friends and your neighbors. This is the message of Jubilee in a hurting and broken generation. And so it's no surprise in James chapter 1, verse 27, the very first book to be written in the New Testament, the brother of Jesus says, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and undefiled as this, Look after orphans and widows in their distress and keep oneself unstained from the world. So James distills what it means to be a Christian and he says, you better get to work caring for orphans and widows and you better care about your piety and your holiness before God. These two things coming together, not separated. So I have a few images of what this looks like. The disjointed gospel... And then we have the one right after this that Jubilee represents. Where this concept of Jubilee brings together the spiritual and the social, the individual and the corporate. And that Jubilee brings us into this movement where the gospel speaks to all aspects of our world, all aspects of our society. And Nova, what I'm, what I'm saying this morning is that the gospel is everything that you learned here at church. It's everything 
and so much more. It is as specific as everything you learned about justification by your faith and forgiveness of sins and being adopted into God's family, becoming a co-heir with Christ. And it's as expansive as God caring for and loving every part of our lives.